welcome to a very exciting uh, Civilizations in Review. I'm here with Dylan Rosnick to talk about the Hafsid Empire, along with a wonderful co-moderator, Sabrina Pecarelli. I am really excited to jump into this. And without any further ado, I'll have Sabrina read the 101 word intro and we'll jump right in. But thanks all so much for being here to learn even more about this very influential North African empire. Take it away, Sabrina. Thank you so much, Ben. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so let's get to it. From the 13th century to the 16th century, the Hafsid dynasty laid claim to a large portion of North Africa. The Hafsid dynasty started as a subordinate to the Almohad dynasty, but in 1228, Hafsid founder Abu Zakaria Yahya broke away and started his own dynasty in what is modern day Tunisia, Libya, and Algeria. The Hafsid dynasty made North Africa a flourishing region centered around their capital of Tunis. Eventually, the Hafsid dynasty would fall in the 16th century. The Hafsid dynasty is a key civilization for influencing modern Tunisia culture and for influencing North African societies as a whole. Beautifully written and beautifully said. Thank you, Sabrina. Um, wh what an interesting uh, story. I, I don't think I knew much about the Hafsids at all before adding them to our list of never-ending ancient empires. So um, as I like to begin with most calls, what uh, excited you to choose them, Dylan? Yeah, so um, in my undergrad, I did a lot of democracy research and Tunisia was a big um, one with the Arab Spring and how they were a big um, democracy movement. Um, and I saw that the Hafsids um, were Tunisian based. So I really wanted to get to know more and learn um, more about Tunisian background and just the civilization that could even influence them in a little bit. So it was very exciting to learn about them and um, gain my knowledge base. Very cool. Um, one of the questions I like asking in all of these series is, what was like your favorite piece of information or the coolest thing that you learned in all of your research about this dynasty? Yeah, um, what was really interesting to me was how connected they were with all the Mediterranean and how they kind of made North Africa a pivotal part in the trade and how they connected with Spain and Italy and Turkey and pretty much everyone in the middle um, in the Mediterranean wanted to come to Tunis and the Hafsid dynasty to trade and get their own piece of their culture, which was super duper interesting um, to me and how pivotal that was to just opening up North Africa and the Middle East to other um, civilizations. That's Wonderful to hear because I think there's a big sort of schism of most of these empires, very militaristic or very trading. And most of the trading ones last a lot longer, as you can probably imagine. So clearly what 400 years that the Hafsids did um, is directly as a result of their engagement. Um, I mean, I, I love your economic session because it showcases that connectivity point um, that, that Tunis and Tripoli had throughout all of the Mediterranean area. Was there, I guess, Hafsid like architectural or, you know, spices or whatever influences throughout that you can see from your research? Yeah, um, there was a lot of knowledge really. Um, they had a law school that was really, really big and it was um, within the Hafsid, it was in Tunisia, in modern day Tunisia now. Um, and that really influenced North African culture. And then that was just spread out throughout Mediterranean and all that knowledge. But also um, one of the really interesting things that I saw was that um, the Hafsids even like reconstructed Roman architecture and brought that into their own culture and 
how they had their own influence. And you can see that through like Carthage and Tripoli and how um, they reconstructed aqueducts and arches and um, things of that nature and really just brought that into their own culture, which was super interesting to me. Very, very true. And I saw that one of their biggest legacies is the city of Tunis itself. Yeah, um, they, uh, Tunis was, I'm pretty sure started during the Alomads um, and the Hafsids kind of came from them and started their own thing after the fall of the Alomads and they brought Tunis to a new height and they made it this economic hub that's super, it's right near the Mediterranean and in modern day Tunisia now and you can still visit there today and see some of the buildings that um, were built during the Hafsids reign and just everyone really wanted to come to Tunis and Tripoli to get their own their own chunk of North African culture, which was awesome. There are so many like gems in, in these sentences you're just spewing out. I, I love it. Please, please keep going. Um, I want to go back to an answer you had a little bit before. They had their own law school. Can you tell us a lot more about that if you know more? That is so uh, unique to this empire, to, to any of these empires. Yeah, um, it was called the Malaki School of Islamic Law. Um, and it kind of set the foundation for their social life and their laws and pretty much what made their society tick, um, which was awesome to find out because I know um, in that time period, at least a lot of schools were starting to get built up and they were really, really prestigious, I guess. And a lot of people wanted to travel to co study at these schools. And I think that was the same with the Maliki School of Islamic Law um, and how that really could influence the whole region um, as a whole and just bring the Hafsids culture and just export it everywhere else um, through that school and through trade. Do you know what happened to this law school after the dynasty fell? Um, I'm not sure. I would have to do further research on that. Um, I'm not 100% sure what happened to the school actually. Still, regardless of it being a, a legacy, even if it's not in use or you know have been demolished or whatnot since that's so fascinating i mean a lot of these empires you know claim to fame a currency or a trade route or you know a military conquest style um but law school i think is is the only one i've, I've heard of all of the uh conversations and, and articles that we have posted so far um i mean clearly it's sort of the next question is this is probably a very islamic empire given they have a islamic law school yeah. Um, and I'm assuming religion played a really big part of a uh, daily life in the Hafsids. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but if you know more about sort of the religious makeup of the Hafsid empire, I think that would be your dynasty. That would be a really interesting cultural aspect to chat about here. Yeah. So I know after the fall of the Alomad dynasty, which is where they came from, their founder actually was um, the number two in the Alomad dynasty and kind of started his own thing. Um, and then I know after their fall, they were just kind of the subordinate and they were autonomous um, to the Alumads. But after the Alumads fell, they were, so they pretty much were like, we're the successors, we're next. So they became a caliphate, um, which is a, re a religious um, system of government. Um, so I know religion played a huge part in their society and in their government and how everything um, functioned. So I know um, religion was very, very big to the Hafsids, especially in, um, being in North Africa, which is a very um, Muslim area. That is very, very interesting how it was a dynasty and also a caliphate. Um, and in the writing, you said that it was made up of tribal leaders. 
and the aristocrats provided military supports in return for political power. Yeah, so um, that's kind of how they kept going for um, as long as they did, which is like near 400 years. Um, so the makeup of society was a lot of tribal areas that had tribal leaders. Um, and I'm going to butcher his name, but um, Abu Zakaria Yahaya um, kind of grouped them all together under his rule um, and had a unified state. And in return for being in his um, aristocracy and holding political power, they would give uh, military support if it was ever needed, um, which uh, actually a very fun fact was that a crusade very early on came to the Hafsids and they had to put that down. Um, and that would not be done without um, tribal support. Very interesting. Let's talk more about this fun fact that tells everything. That's so fascinating. Yeah, it was, it was something I found on really early on in my um, research. It was super interesting. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Um, so St. Louis um, brought his crusade. And I know a lot of the crusades were really over Jerusalem and trying to gain that territory. And I believe they failed in Jerusalem, continued south and went to Egypt, failed in Egypt. So then they kept going west um, and found the Hasids and I guess they just kept going on with their crusade and wanting to just take over something. And um, <laughs> yeah, it failed, um, obviously, because the hashtags kept going on. Um, but yeah, that was super interesting because it was very early on in their um, dynasty when it started. And they had a big military battle right off the bat, which was very, very fascinating. Definitely not expected. It was great. I mean that I'm kind of blown away by that uh how their their empire began by dissolutioning the Almohads and then fighting off the crusade that, that just doesn't compute for me for some reason but wow that is that is incredibly um intriguing wow uh were there other sort of conquests obviously the Ottomans won in the end but up until that point um that they have to had to fight off do you know um I don't think they had many um, conflicts within. I know they were very expansionistic after they started prospering. They started going um, east and west. They were um, neighbors with Egypt at one point and they had all the way to into Spain and on the east coast of um, North Africa. Um, so they were very large in their height. Um, and then they started declining because um, they had a little dynastic struggles. Um, so after the next ruler, they just kept getting worse and worse because it was hierarchical or it was based off family line. Um, and historically, those never really work out um, as they go on. Um, so I know um, after they expanded, they ended up shrinking and shrinking because of those struggles. And so I'm sure there was conflicts involved in that. And um, people just started taking over more and more land until the ultimate fall of the dynasty. So how did the, the dynasty fall? Was it just the Spanish, the Spanish forces? Yeah, I know the Spanish forces um, attacked from the West and then um, the Turkish forces attacked from the East. Um, and I know they didn't have the friendliest relations with some people because they were uh, pirates actually in the, uh, in the Mediterranean. Um, so they took over some boats and I guess tried to get whatever they were trying to get. Um, and created a little bit of conflict. So 
Um, I'm sure the, Tur the Turkish weren't very happy, so they came from the east, and then the Spanish came from the west and ended up taking Tunis, which was their capital, and that marked the end. The, the the way that you speak so matter-of-factly, which I really appreciate, is, is like I need a second to process it all because this is such a fascinating, unique story. I, I think in terms of like its trade and it's there's many, many, many Mediterranean North African empires. So it fits that mold. But about having this law school or fighting off the Crusades, you know, being a quite Islamic space, but breaking away from a much larger North African dynasty. Th th there are so many pieces here that is this really, 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 really unique. Um, you know, through your research and engaging and learning more about the Hasids, is there like a stronger through line or are they just resilient, good, engaging, you know, just tell me more about how all of these pieces are true for the same empire. Yeah, it um, it's super fascinating. I know I was getting wild every single time I just read more and more and I was like, wow, this is really, really awesome. Um, so yeah, their founder was, um, he got his position in the Alomads um, through family. Um, and I guess he was a military leader, um, with the Alomads and ended up taking just that little chunk in Tunisia and ended up expanding. Um, and St. Louis came in and I don't know, it was, it was really, really awesome that there was just so much going on in this 400 year period in North Africa and the half were right in the center of it. And, um, it was really interesting and I can see how Tunisia is so resilient today and how their culture is definitely impacted by the half -sids. Um, it definitely shows through and it's really, really cool that the Hafsids had the impact they had and had as much history go down as they could in 400 years. I, I, I mean, that's so beautifully said and, and that's so fascinating that there is this uh, like continual presence of clearly trade and scholarly pursuits and, and law school and, and everything <laughs> else going on in, in this community um, throughout all of the, you know, mega changes happening in, in Northern Africa over those four centuries. Um, it, 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 uh, you keep going back to Tunis, which I love, and I've been there twice and such a, such a wonderful city. Um, it, is there a lot of impacts of modern Tunis as a result of the Hafsid dynasty? Is, is there sort of that through line or is it more through, throughout the centuries since the Hafsids have, have dissolved, they continue to sort of build off that progress? I mean, it's okay if you don't know, I'm just yeah. curious for my own interests. It's awesome that you've been there. I would actually just researching it. I think I would love to go there. Um, but yeah, through my research, they said that it was kind of a smaller city when the Hafsids took over and the Hafsids made it their capital. Um, and the Hafsids was this great dynasty in North Africa that controlled most of North Africa. So um, it just built up and built up and became this bustling economic hub and was the center of prosperity in North Africa for um, the Hafsids reign. And I think it's only really gotten better and better since um, it's just been a bigger city, and I know it's one of the biggest cities in Tunisia today, um, and it's where Tunisia got their name, which is really, really awesome um, that the Hafsids had their say in that and um, kind of has a direct impact to today, which is really, really cool. Um, so, yeah, I know, I know that they just built it up, and it just kept going from them. It's fascinating. Really, really, really is. I... I... I, I guess obviously Tunis is on the water, so that makes sense for, for trade. But is there, there's many North African cities on the Mediterranean. So do you know why they chose Tunis of, of all of the locations that they could have for their capital? Yeah, I think um, it's where 
they started, um, the house had started, I believe in Tunis and that's where they broke off. They just took that little Tunisian chunk um, and expanded from there. So I think that's exactly why they started and chose that. Hey, whatever, whatever works. Uh, they made a great uh, legacy city. So good for them. Um, there are so many other really fascinating tidbits throughout. I'm just sort of scrolling through your seven sections on the on the website as we as we chat here. Uh, I mean, they weren't just in Tunis, though. I mean, they were capital there, but all throughout northern African cities uh, in Libya and Tunisia specifically have a lasting. There are just so many fascinating pieces here. Wow. Um, you mentioned a bit before, and I want to go back to it, the sort of arist aristocracy ruling system tribal thing. Um, tell me more. It, it's, it's fascinating reading it here on the side, but uh, in your research and awareness of it all. Yeah, it's really cool how um, as a government guy, I'm super interested in that. And that's what I was really, really excited about. Um, so their leader was the head, um, starting with um, the founder and the head of state was um, passed down through family. Um, but then under him would be these tribal leaders, which were directly under him in this aristocracy that would be that would hold some political power, be advisors and um, be pretty much in charge of taxation or public finance or different executive offices that you would think of today um, were under him through these tribal leaders. Um, and they would get that power through military supporters saying like, we will back you if you need it. Um, and they would have their own little region through their tribe, and then they would have this political power um, under the leader, which was really, really cool. Ancient like ruling systems, I think is a very fascinating like subtopic. And again, if you want to run with this, I know you're starting a master's degree soon, so if that's one to be your, your master's, uh, we will please take it all, because I think there's... Um, a lot of like diversity it's not only uh lineage it's largely lineage based right but but having these little tribal like council cohort things um is probably another reason they lasted so long i mean we, we have some empires that only lasted like 50 years because they diversified way too thin um not diversifying is not an issue but if you spread all your resources out and have 30 rulers <laughs> they're going to split and make their own empires which is exactly what happened so this is this is a really uh fascinating sort of uh way to organize their, their government that is uh probably built upon the previous empire's mistakes that they have updated um if there's any other cool pieces of information that you know i i find this a really fascinating piece of most empires which is again why it's one of the dimensions but if you have any other yeah um i know i know they're very modern for their day with um an aristocracy i know is probably one of the earliest ones um i know greece really had one and other european um government systems had aristocracies but um from what i've seen they might be the first in north africa i'm not 100 percent sure but um, if not the first, they were very early on with um, arist aristocratic governments. We'll dub them the first. Sure, why not? <laughs> um, wow, so many cool pieces. Sabrina, do you have, do you have any questions you have? No, no, honestly, like as a policy major too, like looking at these ancient ruling systems and kind of seeing where the current modern ruling systems are and kind of comparing, contrasting in my head, it's fascinating honestly yeah yeah just three poli sci nerds nerdy <laughs> ruling systems that don't impact us today well they do actually upon how we think about everything um yeah i i 
I mean, I don't want to only focus there because I have to showcase all of the dimensions of these great uh, dynasties, but I, I find that such a riveting piece of each of these empires. Um, and what's fun for the reader as well, you can have several empires up at once and sort of compare all of the sections, but definitely, uh, you know, their, their ruling system. And maybe if you want to do a full comparison on if uh, that's the longer empires lasted with a certain way, go forth, uh, listener. But uh, thank you for, uh, for including that, Dylan, and, and taking our, us three little poli nerds on a fun, fun little adventure here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the modern influence. Uh, obviously, Tunis today is, is clearly embedded with the Hafsid culture and, and more since the Hafsids ended. But, but I find it interesting that they sort of stole from the Roman uh, architecture and infrastructure already there and by you know, their era modernized it. Um, was that a, a common thing? I, my awareness is that they would destroy the previous systems and build a more upgraded one but it sounds like they just you know refixed the archer or cleared out the aqueduct or whatever is, is that semi-accurate yeah um from my understanding that is pretty accurate they um rebuilt a lot of the original roman architecture that got destroyed um and then i think they took some of the roman architecture and culture and embedded it in their own society um and made their own culture better because of what they learned from the romans which was um really awesome to see that they could diversify their own culture through that. Beyond fascinating. Wow, incredible. Well, as we sort of start to wrap up here, I mean, there's so much more to talk about, but <laughs> we can't only be a Hafsid website as much as I would love to be. Um, any sort of final pieces, cool stories, uh, fun research you came across uh, in relation to this dynasty? Yeah, there were a lot of fun um, little side pits that you could um, go with the Hafsids. Um, I tried to incorporate all of them as much as I could with 101 words per section. Um, but yeah, it was really, really interesting to see how interconnected they were in Mediterranean society and how um, they were influenced and they influenced, um, they were influenced by others and they influenced everyone else um, and had North African culture really expand just out of North Africa, which um, you don't really see very often coming out of the Middle East and North Africa, um, which was really, really cool to see for me. Well, that's a wonderful place to wrap up. And any questions that you have, final Sabrina, burning in the Hafsid Empire? <laughs> Just amazed by everything. Yeah, me, me too. This is such a uh, such a rich source of uh, historical info. So thank you, Dylan, for compiling it all. Um, and thank you to our listener for for uh, geeking out with us on this ancient North African community. Um, if you ever find yourself in Tunis, please look for all of the Hafsid uh, legacy that's still there. Um, and someone please let me know if this law school still exists, because I think that is a really cool uh, metric. Um, for all, please go to our website, uh, alfusaic.net, that's A-L-F-U-S-A-I-C.net, and to our Hafsid Empire, which is under the Civilizations 101 section. Thank you again, Dylan, for writing this incredibly fascinating uh, insight to this ancient empire, and Sabrina for your questions and, and connections and everything alongside. Uh, any, any final, final words, Dylan, you have for us about the Hafsids to uh, wrap this call up? Yeah, no, thank you for um, giving me this opportunity. It was really awesome to learn about a new culture and how rich and diverse they really were. So I'm looking forward to your mega article on all of the ancient empire's ruling systems um, so we can nerd out even more. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're going to wrap up here then. Thank, all, thank you all so much for listening and engaging with this empire. We'll see you next week for the next one. Bye, everyone.